I'm Colin Stutherland, Executive Vice President at Geotab. We want to introduce you for our very first Connected with Geotab podcast, where I'll be interviewing various executives here at Geotab and some of our partners as well on trending topics. Our goal with this podcast is to create a connected community where listeners can locate a variety of topics and connect ideas and to formulate new ones. Uh, each episode will feature a different thought leader um, sharing their perspectives, their expertise, and today, we're very fortunate to have with us Ed Kulberger, uh, Senior Vice President of Geotab. Hi, Ed. How are you doing? Hey, great, Colin. Uh, thank you very much for, for having me here. Really uh, excited and uh, looking forward to being the, the first pioneer on this uh, hopefully replicated uh, um, podcast issue. So um, really exciting. So thank you. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you here. You know, it's uh, the world outside of Geotab, while we as a company have an awful lot of subscriptions in North America, really, you have such global insight with your past experience. You and I have known each other for almost 14 years uh, over the years and past lives in telematics. I know we've both been around this industry for almost 20 years. Um, so your insights are really valuable and, uh, and your thought leadership across you know, the spectrum is, uh, is very welcome. And today, I think specifically, we're in, really interested in your perspective on uh, Europe and what's happening in Europe. You know, We talk about decarbonization and CO2 and GDPR, but maybe you can sort of unpack some of those thoughts and kind of hit the high marks for yourself and then go as deep as we can have this conversation today. Sure. Um, so, so first of all, I think, uh, yeah, it was ballpark. Um, yeah. 14 odd years ago when you and I were actually were on a panel together in Chicago at uh, insurance telematics, I think we had met briefly a couple of times prior to that. Um, and that was interesting. You were just coming out with, I believe, the Go5 device. And I was with a competitor who is now actually part of uh, Geotab, that being WebTech Wireless that was acquired by BSM. And, you know, it's interesting that the, uh, the telematics world for myself has come a little bit full circle. Um, and it is incredibly fascinating to look at where the market has been and where the market is moving towards. And I think you hit the nail on the head on a couple of things. So number one, you know, decarbonization and air quality and this move to electrification is uh, absolutely just uh, going to happen um, and is happening today, uh, especially in Europe where EV and, and um, electric vehicles are being taken up in, in rapid order, depending upon the country in Europe. But we see that as, uh, as really driving things. Um, and that relates to decarbonization. So the lower we can get carbon in the environment, the uh, impact uh, from a positive perspective that it will have on greenhouse gases and ultimately our temperature and, and reducing that uh, climate change that we are um, seeing today is, is really important, not just for, from a business perspective, but for a, for a whole um, socio uh, perspective as well. Um, air quality is one of the things that prior to COVID, uh, the World Health Organization had as number one priority as it was contributing to 7 million deaths per year. And a lot of those were in our urban centers um, today. So, you know, love to talk about a number of the initiatives that Geotab has uh, going on today um, that probably you and I ballpark, you know, 14, 15 years ago didn't envision would happen. Uh, but it is um, you know, an, an incredible journey and, and a journey that we look forward to continuing uh, as we're just on the uh, in the inception of this um, uh, decarbonization, as I would say, with the transport industry and, and telematics in general. Interesting. Um, maybe we can kind of kick off with this. Uh, my just a small personal experience. I think most of us have had it. If you ever go to London and you have uh, in London, you rent a car, 
when you drive down, unfortunately, into the center of the city, you're probably going to be hit with a, with a ticket um, because there's a London congestion charge. And I think that a lot of the European cities have had this idea of a congestion charge ahead of almost anywhere else in the world. And I just, you know, let's, let's kind of start there because it's a fleet thing and we're talking about vehicles moving around in cities and how can we can be effective in cities. But the congestion charge, you feel it was a carbon decarbonization topic or what have hmm. your experience been in Europe with, with respect to, you know, congestion in the city and how that all is playing out in the fleet world? I mean, uh, it's a, it's a great question and, and quite a deep, uh, deep question. So, um, you know, first of all, when you're driving around in London, the first thing that I notice as a North American is you're driving on the left side of the road uh, in the right side of a vehicle. So, so number one, so you have to be cognizant of that. And then as you're driving into a city center or, or city proper area um, like London, uh, you understand that as you get in and closer to the city center, you're actually um, there's only certain vehicle types that are supposed to be going into the city center and you actually pay a, a tax or a tariff as you're in that uh, low emission zone. And it, it is quite interesting that movement, um, which started in London in 2008. But if you look at it more generally, there's around 250 um, European towns and cities that have uh, made a stance in terms of uh, putting either a low emission zone an ultra low emission zone or or even a, uh, a zero emission zone tolerance in, in their urban centers. Um, and it's, you know, for those reasons that that we discussed a little earlier around, you know, making sure that we're um, not putting out carbon and and diesel emissions and particulate matter into the air, to the environment that, you know, people are living and breathing every day. Um, and and the the overriding macro healthcare costs to, you know, um, you know, make sure that people are getting the right uh, 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 health um, checkups and, and, you know, as deep as it can go into, into cancer and, and heart issues and, you know, those necessary surgeries to eradicate those uh, um, issues is, is a massive burden on society. So if we can put in, you know, measures that, you know, will, will lessen that burden that healthcare burden, that cost for all of us, uh, I think is just a huge initiative. And transportation is front and center in this. And and we really have, um, you know, a, a responsibility as an industry to really impact this in a positive way. Uh, so that that's a huge motivator uh, for myself. Um, for a number of years, I've been speaking about uh, the Keeling curve. So the Keeling curve is the measure of carbon in our atmosphere. And it started off in around 1958. And today it's around 415, 416 parts per million. And if you look at the last 20 to, to 40 years, the, the, the curve has just gone, uh, you know, almost straight up. I like to use the, the hockey stick reference. So the curve has gone gone straight up. It's impacted climate and, and then again, our, our health. And transportation is an area where um, beyond the electrification, the leveraging of data to move goods and people through a city in a more economical and efficient manner will drastically reduce the carbon that we output in our environment and lower that keeling curve. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's super important. Um, it's an initiative at, at Geotab that that I'm really proud of. We've really put a lot of horsepower, a lot of resources, both financially and people-wise, into, into really impacting the environment and, and making sure that we're leveraging data for good. And I think it's, it's, it's something that our whole industry is, 
is uh, starting to do, not everybody. Um, and I think that Geotab is, is really at the forefront of this movement and, and really grateful and, and proud of the team that, that's working behind the scenes to enable this. About uh, two months or so ago, I think that after, you know, right now we're in this COVID situation, right? Where the, whether it's in a lockdown or a gradual recovery, you know, this podcast I hope we listen to two years from now and people will reflect back on how we were thinking in May 2020. But about six or seven weeks ago, I remember seeing, you know, satellite images over Italy and saying how clear the air is in Italy. And I think it's uh, what, what was really interesting to me when I was talking to Matt Stevens and our EV team was separating the idea of CO2 from particles in the air. So what you're saying is it's spot on. The health, the health considerations of CO2 and greenhouse gas is very different than even the particles that are in the air caused by diesel and other things that can cause the cancers and so on. Um, and I was just seeing on the weekend, they were talking about here in Canada on a bridge that crosses between Windsor, Canada and into Detroit. And just the, the multiplication factor of all the particles that are in the air caused by the trucks that are waiting in line to get across the border and just how much of a hot spot that is for our health that isn't really being recorded. So I appreciate your your thoughts on that. Um. So yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's very interesting. So one thing is CO two and and your carbon output in the air, but you know there are other um, invisible and, and deadly killers out there um, besides besides COVID, right? Which is obviously top of mind with with all of us. And I think that uh, once we are are through uh, COVID and 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 knock on wood, we we figure out that vaccine and we can all get back to. Uh, you know, maybe a more distance and digital economy, but something that I'm hoping we all we all move towards. Um, but but looking at other uh, particulate matters such as nitrous oxide and and other uh, you know diesel particulates, um, uh, even rubber, you know, when it hits the road is is uh, you know particulate matter is going into the air as well. So you know there are ways that groups are starting to measure this particulate matter, and those have been around for a little while, but they're incredibly expensive uh, and and quite stationary so you might have in a in a city center two or four you know stationary um, air quality measuring devices that are looking at particular matter 2.5 as as it's referred to um, and this this uh, gives out you know relatively static measurements and and we feel that there's actually a little bit of a better way to do this so We've been working with some some very large and leading organizations and cities to come up with a solution that will put a uh, a mobile um, air quality sensor on top of an electric vehicle or bus that can travel around a city. And uh, as it's traveling around the city, it's capturing this information. And similarly to how a a vehicle today that has a a temperature sensor and barometric pressure uh, reading in it, uh, an air quality sensor can provide this kind of particulate matter in a hyper-local fashion so that, you know, our big data gurus can look at this, this information and, and see a, a really good snapshot down at a very local level, you know, a, an intersection or near a hospital area or a school area on what is actually the air quality in that area. How does weather influence it? What is time of day doing um, to this? And we think it's an important initiative and, and one that we are uh, throwing some resources behind to really, uh, you know, help our societies. And as we move into, you know, uh, more low emission zones and, and, you know, zero emission zones, this type of information is really critical to help a, 
city and urban planner be able to pinpoint, you know, where they need to to stop traffic or maybe just have electric vehicles or maybe just walking street and and, and bicycle streets um, as as you know this evolution happens. So it's something that it's a fascinating topic in in my eyes and and to Geotab it's uh, it's important and again it's it's data for good. Um, and then I'll mention one other point. It's it's really fascinating that a company like Geotab, which started off as a family-owned business that's been able to control its destiny because we don't have outside influences like venture capital or private equity investment. So we get to stay laser focused on the engineering side, which enables us to do initiatives like this and you know, invest in the resources and the research and development to help our urban centers, which we think are critically important for the long run as urbanization is only going to continue to increase um, uh, post-COVID. So, yeah, really, really interesting dynamics at, at play today, Colin. Yeah, the concept of um, smart city was kind of one of these abstract expressions used by our industry over the last five plus years. And, you know, smart city is going to be really big. People who really didn't quite know how to apply technology at smart city, just that the cities were going to become smart. So I think you've just outlined a really good practical example of a smart city application of data and how it can change government thinkers about congestion and uh, and people's health, right? So that's a that's a really that's a really good example of of uh, how GTEP adds value to smart city. Um, in addition, over the last several weeks, we've launched something called a COVID nineteen dashboard, which hopefully is just called the dashboard two years from now and not a COVID nineteen dashboard which monitors a number of different data points um, from fleet vehicles um, around the world and different parts of the world. Are there any specific um, highlights that you've noticed that have been impactful in Europe over the last month or so that, that you're gonna keep a finger on the pulse and keep watching over the next uh, summer months? Um, yes, absolutely. So our recovery um, uh, you know, of um, getting through this COVID is, is something that I think, um, you know, the, the world's media and, and the citizens are really paying attention to. Um, you know, the, what's interesting is that the, the COVID curve and the flattening of the curve has put, you know, data into the mainstream, right? So the measuring of people that are getting ill with COVID, you know, through to, to deaths and in between the severity of, uh, of this illness and, and this disease is, is something that has put, uh, you know, data into the forefront of people's minds. And, and we think that, um, what we're seeing today, and I obviously can't speak to uh, to the actual uh, uh, you know detail of of this illness, but it, we've noticed it's gone east to west, right? So uh, Asia, and then Europe, and then across to uh, to North America, and um, you know, being senior vice president and seeing the impacts of COVID in in Milano and and in Spain. You know, prior to it really landing over overseas was really uh, impactful and uh, something that, you know, we're fortunate enough that that we have a leadership group on the team that was really, you know, looking at this in quite detail before it became, you know, a real health uh, uh, issue on, on this side of the pond. Um, and then if I flip that a little bit, uh, so we believe that, you know, at, we will come out of this uh, COVID crisis, um, you know, again, east to west as, you know, things have uh, plateaued and, and the loosening of the restrictions has started to happen in Asia and, and then is starting to happen in uh, Europe. And then, you know, in a in a week, two weeks time, it'll happen over here as we're actually even starting to see uh, a little bit. And so this this to me 
the data that we provide and some of, um, you know, people in our space and, and, you know, maybe people that understand payments uh, when transactions happen um, and, and vehicle utilization is a real barometer uh, for, for the economy to quite a degree. So the movement of goods, the movement of medical supplies and food is something that we can actually look at in some really finite detail, understand this movement, and then almost put a bit of a predictor on the recovery of the certain, you know, vocations and in, in our uh, in our space today, and um, you know, with two million plus vehicles, we really provide a nice snapshot of this. And you know, we're, we're even working with a uh, one of our competitors um, in in Europe, and we're looking at together our data because we really believe that you know it, it provides a layer of legitimacy. You know, not just Geotab saying it, but some of the industry leaders really saying it and coming together to propagate this message so that we understand when we can come out of this, um, you know, we understand, pardon me, um, in a little more detail as we come out of this uh, uh, crisis from an economic and, and movement of goods uh, um, perspective. Yeah, when you think about, um, you know, the, the old telematic systems that you and I used to work on 15 years ago, which was highly location-based services back then, that was really, almost when OBD2 and CAN bus and even an accelerometer was a relatively brand new sensor back, you know, in 2007, 2008, working with it, but it was relatively new. Mm -hmm. uh, today we've got all of this data at our fingertips. And I think where, you know, when you and I were both selling against each other, now selling with each other um, on locating where assets are today, you know, I like to think that the technology and the data that we're providing is a strategic provides this with strategic insights as to how they can rethink asset utilization. You mentioned bicycling in Europe, the idea of mobility and multiple modes of mobility, not just cars and buses is really essential. How do you think um, Europe might be very different than North America in terms of its mobility message? And what, what lessons could North Americans, do you think maybe could learn or at least pay attention to which is going on in Europe now that I think that the rest of us in North America ought to be paying attention to for the future. So th that's a great question. And uh, first I'll preface it by saying uh, on that same panel that I mentioned that we were on together as uh, in competing organizations at the time, um, I remember afterwards we were having a little side chat, you and I, and you showed me this uh, OBD device that Geotab was coming out with. And I was just so jealous. I was like, oh, man, that's what I need. So I found that uh, uh, really interesting. Um, and the amount of data that Geotab collects and, and the way that we collect data, the interpolation curve algorithm patent that Neil uh, uh, Cause put together uh, for the group is just, it's just incredible. So, um, you know, the, the granularity of the data um, and, and then understanding how that data can impact, you know, from a, a small fleet to a large fleet to everything in between to, you know, urban planning and smart city. I think, you know, we're just in the tip of the iceberg on, on that front. And I think, you know, again, I, I point to some of the investment that we're making. We have, you know, over 50 data scientists that are working at looking at how we can leverage this data for for the, the socioeconomic benefit of, of our of our fleets, our, our customers, and our ecosystem, as really believe this, this underlying platform um, that Geotab has uh, uh, been investing in for you know years and years since before you and I, you know before 
you and I, Matt, you you were involved obviously in, in since day one. Um, I, I just think it's uh, it, it's incredible. Um, you know, forty billion data points. Um, so a little deviation. I wrote a story when I when I started. Uh, I was about a, two years into Geotab uh, in 2014. Um, I wrote a story about big data and and the fleet revolution. And at that time, Geotab had around 200 million data points. And you know, six ballpark years later, over 40 billion data points per day. And and if you look at that, it's just in, incredible. Um, and then as you start to apply machine learning uh, and, and neural networking onto the data and look at, you know, go into the data lake and, and look at, you know, different things, whether it's, um, you know, understanding when the, a minor collision has happened or understanding, again, how to route people and goods better, more efficiently through a, an urban center uh, and through our environment. It's just going to, you know, exponentially continue to increase. There's areas of the data that we probably don't understand the impact yet um, that it's going to have on, on, you know, business and, and our environment today. And, and, you know, the fact that Geotab has been uh, uh, had the foresight to really invest in this space is, is, you know, uh, you know, going to pay off as we move into this digital economy. Without a doubt. Um, I think also being able to provide some benchmarking tools, which hopefully, We'll be able to launch in more of a production environment for a business to be able to see their own business's activity and be able to benchmark their activity versus uh, more of an aggregated view of their region. It's also going to be, I think, pretty powerful. Have you been working with any of the aggregating tools in Europe? Have you got the data sets out there to be able to do that? So we're we're growing in Europe and growing rapidly. So, um, you know, we, we look at... Uh, you know, many centers from Rome to Madrid to London, Munich, uh, Paris. So we have, you know, starting to get um, enough vehicles that are equipped with Geotab uh, in that environment today to really put a, a good uh, understanding of, of, you know, the data in that area. Of course, we, we have to aggregate and anonymize it and, you know, security and privacy are at the utmost uh uh, in terms of on our radar at Geotab. And um, we're starting to understand, uh, yes, um, especially around EV take up. And then um, uh, you asked a question earlier around, you know, other trends that we're starting to see in Europe. So Europe, you know, because it's, uh, you know, Europe isn't just Europe. It's, it's multiple countries, multiple jurisdictions, multiple regulations, uh, multiple cities uh, in a tighter landmass. So, um, you know, the the amount of of movement and mobility uh, is is um, easier to to understand to a degree when a person might you know go on a, a drive their car to a train station jump on a train and, and go to a city center and then maybe jump on a bike or a shared bike or a you know a micro mobility type uh, um, uh, a piece of equipment scooter or or what have you um, to get to their office or or a tube so you're seeing that. You know, this whole uh, path is starting to to be understood um, and, and optimized by leveraging, uh, you know, different types of uh, technology to to again for to, to help people move about in a city center and, and then to understand that movement to a degree and not to understand it so that you can you can go look in on somebody, but to understand these patterns for for the benefit of society. And I think that that's uh, technology and, and the digital economy is um, that's one of the big, big areas that uh, is going to continue to be explored in the next, uh, you know, months, years and, and decade. I know we're, we're coming to an end of our time together, but I wanted to give you one maybe uh, 
a, an opportunity to outline 2020 and your your hope. What is your hope for the balance of 2020? We're almost at the mid-year point of 2020. It started out in January with a, a lot of uh, excitement about what the year would would hold for uh, for all of us. I think around the world, and um, here we are. But what is your personal goal and your your hope for 2020? Uh, if my vision were 2020, that would be uh, incredible, right? So um, I think that, yeah, all of us were, were, you know, all of us as, as a society and, you know, as, as you know, humans were, were sidetracked uh, or, you know, our, our feet were taken out from under us. But, you know, said that, um, if you look at Geotab and, and I'll focus there because, uh, because, you know, that's where I like to focus. Um, we we started off the year and we were just continued on this massive growth mode and you know the largest fleets in the world were were moving forward and launching our technology whether they're you know in the courier and last mile space or in that that rental or or leasing space or in that heavy trucking space and and everything in between and it was just incredible the trend and traction that we had and um, really exciting and then COVID hit and. You know, there was trepidation and nervousness and and absolutely, you know, we had to, you know, we had to we had to look inside and go, okay, yeah, this one's new, um, but let's get out in front of it and let's put task forces together and let's make sure that we're understanding our business deeper. And it's really enabled us to do that super deep dive into the into our every single department within the organization and, and understand the business. And what we found is that there's certain areas that we can invest more in and there's certain things that you know if we can do better it's just going to help out our our uh, our customers it's going to help out our resellers our staff and the whole ecosystem in general and you know i'm really proud of the fact that through april and into may and as we're getting towards the end of may right now we actually are seeing this uptick on business you know it actually has continued to grow now not at the same hockey stick level that it was growing at, but it's still growing from a net perspective. And that's testament to the product and testament to the people. Well said, Ed. Well well said. And I'm looking forward to the to ending uh, 2020 on a positive positive note. And I appreciate the fact that you had a hockey stick over your shoulder. That was a good prop. <laughs> I'm sure it was there not by accident. Not intended, yes. <laughs> Um, hey, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great catching up with you. I'm glad to see that you're well. And uh, hoping, hopefully the uh, entire team is doing well. We'll continue to work together positively um, with that great positive spirit that you bring to Geotab. So thank you very much for all of that. And, um, and with that, um, thanks again very much, Ed. And I want to thank our listeners today for joining Connected with Geotab. Um, to stay up to date with Geotab and all things Geotab, go to our geotab.com forward slash blog. All of the posts that we've talked about today are there, including Ed's one probably from six years ago when you wrote it. Maybe you need to update it, Ed. Um, and including our uh, community site, community.geotab.com, where you can ask questions and we'll be able to uh, crowdsource those answers for you and be able to respond very quickly. So with that, I want to thank you and we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks again, Ed, very much. Thanks, Colin. That was great. Thank you.